This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, I'm Anif Baharuddin and you're tuned in to the show that brings you closer to the people and places of our capital city. Jeffrey Lim is very well known for his work with the cycling community via the Bicycle Map Project, but he's also passionate about art and photography. One of his initiatives is called Kanta Studio, and it focuses on analog photography via DIY box cameras. Jeffrey joins me via Zoom to share how he got the idea to explore this line of portrait photography. Oh yeah, uh, well, I started doing portraits, and I started learning darkroom, and I started develop my own film. But of course, it's very tedious. You need to shoot and then you need to go in there, develop film, so on and so forth. So there was this documentary in 2011, 2012, about a photography star called the Afghan Box Camera Project. And they documented a, a method of photographing and printing based in Afghanistan. So the documentary also uh, highlighted how you can make one. So I, I, I was, I was. Light bulb just came up because it's it involved two crafts. I'm in photo making and print making. It's two different crafts, but in the same device. Uh, and that's when I said, yeah, it cracked. Whatever I needed to do, which is actually to make the print, it's not to go photograph and stuff like that. It's actually to make the print. So this camera enabled me to to do that. But lo and behold, uh, Afghanistan is not the only country. Uh, after doing a lot of research and, and meeting a lot of people, um, there are so many different types of this camera around the world. So I would say that um, the camera that I make, it's probably uniquely Malaysian, but it's just a, a conglomerate of, of many different types of cameras found around the world. Mm. What's the specific name for, for this kind of photography? And and yeah, and how did you go about making it? Yeah, perhaps maybe you can also walk the listeners through the process of actually yeah, creating this camera. Mm. Well, I would say people call it the box camera. And that's what I call it now, the box camera. But it has so many names, depending where you are. They have the colloquial name, like in Latin America, they would call it uh, Lambe Lambe in Brazil, which means to lick, lick. You lick the negative to make the positive. And then uh, in uh, more Spanish-speaking countries, uh, camera minutera, which is the minute camera, or some places call it a street plaza camera because you are found, they are found in street plazas and they will take uh, portraits there. So depending where you are, they have different names for this camera. In Malaysia, I call it Kanta box camera. Uh, but I guess uh, the simplest name would be a box camera. <laughs> Yeah, and how did you actually make it? Because I think based on what I've seen, you actually make the camera using a lot of like different household items as well, right? Yes. Uh, so when I started the project, I had to change the design because the traditional design for um, based on Afghan design was so complex and I felt uh, had a lot of weaknesses. So I, I use the fundamental parts of it, which is to get the image and then to focusing mechanism and so on and so forth. Uh, and, and I also created a project out of it, which I call Kantapox Camera. And one of the challenges was that I needed to use uh, 
found materials or waste. So I built four prototypes. That was in 2014, I think. Yeah, 2014. I used uh, like a tin oil, you know, like a you know, biscuit tin, those kind of sizes, a 17 liter cooking oil kind of can, steel can. Uh, that was, I needed to make it culturally um, linked to Malaysia as well. So I used a lot of things that I could find here, uh, recycle a lot of things. So my first few cameras were all from found and recycled materials, tin cans, bicycle tubes, uh, <laughs> uh, old jackets, uh, even uh, light bulbs. I use light bulbs as, uh, as lenses. So yeah, it was very crude, but it made the job. It could get the print. Mm. That's the beauty, right? I think sometimes it's creating that link and also using things that, that are available to us. Though I, I find it kind of quite interesting that um, the very tin can that you mentioned is something that I don't see as much anymore. Maybe maybe I've I've I guess I've I've moved past that part of my life. But once upon a time it used to be quite prevalent. And I I, I kinda like, like remember now that you know what talking to you, that, that tin can, right? Yeah, that, that people used to store biscuit and oil. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You will go to any pasamala, you don't go buy biscuit, right? Sure have. Yeah. Yes, correct. But of course we moved on. It's it's actually a uh, industrial standard. Uh, I I did a bit of research. It's actually a British standard for a container. So they use this size to put anything in water, oil, uh, materials, uh, even a jerry can. Well, it wasn't called a jerry can. It was actually called a flimsy because it's so flimsy. <laughs> Steel sheet. Um, and then it was standardized. Anywhere in the world you would go and you would find cans of this size. Uh, but my new, my new generation of cameras are built with HDPE. HDPE is uh, high density polyethylene, um, which is the replacement of actually this tin cans. If you go to any palm oil estate, you go to any ladang, you would find this container. Green, usually green color. It will put in pesticides or put in uh, liquid. Yeah, so now my new cameras are made out of that, the new containers. <laughs> so is uh, printing photographs also include science as well right in the form of chemistry you need to know your your i guess your chemistry well to be able to i guess make it all work yeah can you walk us through the process of actually yeah um so the camera is made of like i guess tin or hdpe now but what else is inside you know light bulb you know how did the light bulb play a role in, in i guess you know making the camera what it is okay well to break down what this box camera does is that there are two magics that it performs. The first magic is to create an image or create a projection. Uh, so you need a lens or the simplest form, a pinhole. Uh, but what happens is with this lens, the box just acts as a dark box. It just protects the box or your elements from light. And then you let light in through a little aperture, which is either a pinhole or you can use a lens. Or uh, in my instance, I use a light bulb. Uh, filled with water, and then you you sort of um, capture light into a box, project it onto a surface, and you get image. So that is the first magic of photography, which is imagery. You, you get image. And then how do you get an image onto paper? So you would then need the second magic. <laughs> second magic is which I call um, with alchemy, with chemistry. Uh, there's a substance called uh, silver chloride. It's a natural substance you can find in the world. 
and this silver is sensitive to light. When light hits it, it will turn dark. So of course, with image, with the first magic, you would see uh, light and dark areas, which forms the image. Uh, so this, this material will then capture light and dark areas, which then converts into an image that you would recognize. Um, so that's, that's basically the elements that are in this camera. You would have a lens, you would have a plate, a ground glass, where you can, the light can bounce off and you can see the image. And then you would use this substance, a silver uh, chloride, which is, for me, I use it on paper. It comes in the form of paper coated with silver chloride. And I will place it onto that plate, expose it to light on that image, and then process it in the box itself. It would have, uh, you have to go through uh, three chemical baths, the developer, the stop bath, and the fixer, in order for that image to appear. So that the silver chloride, whatever silver that's been exposed to light, will then convert into a black metallic halide. So there are different tones of it. So that means the more intense the light, the darker it gets. The less intense the light, the lighter it is. So that's why you, you would get uh, image which is just tonality from black to white. Um, and then you go through these three bars and then at the end of it, you get an image on paper. That was Jeffrey Lim from Kanta Studio sharing his story working on box cameras. We're going for a short break. Stay tuned. I'm Hanif Baharudin and you're listening to I Love KL on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. I'm Hanif Baharudin. Jeffrey Lim from Kanta Studio joins me to share his story discovering and eventually creating box cameras for his photography projects. We're going to continue that conversation to learn more about how this has been like for him. So the the camera, um, the box camera functions as a mobile darkroom as well, in a sense, like a mini darkroom? Yeah, it is. It is a camera and a darkroom in one. Um, and a lot of people uh, just can't, just so boggled that they just can't understand how it works. They'll put their head into the into the box and say, where do you put the camera? And I say, yeah, it is the camera. <laughs> um, but then I just show them scientifically how it works. Uh, it's just, all it takes just that lens uh, to capture that light and project it somewhere to get that focus. Um, and then from there, it's printed. There's a, like a little peephole in my camera so they can actually see the process of the image appearing. So they, they do get to see both magics and then uh, that's how I break. Well, I wouldn't say I break people's perception about the magic, but it just makes it so much more uh, special that they understand it and see this magic work. Uh, how many prototypes did you have to actually produce before you get the right, quote unquote, the right recipe to actually be able to do it you know, regularly? Oh, well, it was tough. I mean, I had very little experience in a dark room. And I'm not to say a professional photographer. I, it was just a minor subject in art school. So I had to study and learn everything from scratch. Uh, well, not really from scratch, but I bought a lot of books and I did a lot of mistakes. Um, and of course, I had a lot of, I had a lot of errors. Uh, in the beginning, when I did this project, I didn't know how to do it. So, um, but I just dive straight into it. I, I wrote a grant a proposal and I, I, I got a grant from Christian Jit in 2013. Christian Jit so fun, uh, which was to build the cameras and to try taking pictures with it. 
So that was my crown. And then um, then I did it. I, I got some funds to, to try and build it. And then uh, to jumpstart the process, I actually signed up for a market booth at an art market. Uh, at that time, Art for Grabs. That was way back. And I just set up my camera there without actually testing it for real. <laughs> and then... Uh, and then yeah, there was a long line of people. Everybody wanted to take the pictures. I was so I was so astounded that uh, so many people wanted to do that. Uh, but then they had to wait twenty minutes per print. You know, and that is if I could even get a visible print. <laughs> but uh, people still stuck around and they were still interested in, in what I did. And uh, that's how I got into it. Like you know, I just practice makes perfect, making mistakes. Um, and then uh, I would say it took me a good three years, I guess, three years to actually just keep edit and improve mm. yeah that, that's pretty interesting right i think because sometimes you know all you have to do is just you just got to do it right and you know if it's a trial and error thing as well right you know even though yeah it might not turn out as well as you expect it to be sometimes you just got to do it right yeah because like there's no there's nobody here there's nobody here done this before and everything i do is a hacking system so nobody teaches you this kind of stuff you got to learn it from experience so uh, i i I try to hook up with other people around the world. Um, I think uh, Latin America is really, really hot. I would say very active. So I had a chance to travel to Brazil in 2016. So very early on, uh, I, I went there. And then that's where I learned this new technique with Lambi uh, Lambe with Lick Lick. And they even had an exhibition on this uh, photography movement. And I met a few of the practitioners there and they showed me how they worked. So it was really eye-opener. And then with that, I just, um, my, my, my technique just improved. Um, and now I can make a print. Uh, my fastest time was two minutes from shooting to getting a positive print. Uh, and then with that, of course, I, I felt like I should also pass on this knowledge. So that's why I've been hooking up with different people around the world and and giving workshops and showing how it can be done and improving it. Mm, yeah, I, I guess it has brought you around the world, you know, one way or another to sort of like, I guess, connect with others, you know, of similar interest. How vibrant is this scene, you know? Uh, and what's their, I guess, approach like? Is there like a cultural difference between perhaps, you know, how you approach it versus how the people in Brazil approach it versus how the people in Taipei, you know, approach it? Yeah, they're, they're very different. Some are act practitioners, uh, some are professional photographers, uh, but you must understand this craft, um, they existed by means of a function. They function as a cheap form of photography for someone, an affordable form of photography for someone to make a identification picture. So these cameras, they are so basic and they will need only the most basic materials to produce a print. So this form of photography is something which I really love, the fundamental part, which is to produce an affordable means of making print. And that is what I strive to do. Uh, a lot of cultural movements now, they are about preserving it and also nurturing it. So in Latin America, there are a lot of movements in, in Chile, Argentina, in, in Brazil. There's such a huge movement. They're going to, uh, they're going to celebrate lab cam day so laboratory camera day that's that's the that's what it stands for 
on March the 20th. Uh, it's an international day for this kind of box cameras. So they're going to celebrate it. And it's, it's, uh, it's by this group in uh, Brazil, uh, Photo Club Lambe Lambe. And uh, so it shows that they're really serious about this movement. I guess in Taipei and, and the rest of Asia, it's not, it's not seen as a device that does that. But that's what I'm striving to do. That's why I'm traveling around Malaysia with this box camera and going to as many communities as I can and showing how it's done. And, and then so, of course, um, giving portrait services as well. So people can, can see how it's done and also own a piece of it as well. Mm, yeah. Now that I think about it, I think <laughs> these days we don't really do portraits that much, right? Like, like have we taken it for granted? You know, one way or another. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, portrait studios, they are, or photo studios, they are disappearing. <laughs> um, this this art of uh, making portraits or, or making a, a sitting for a family, now, it's not widely practiced, but it is so important if you go into any homes, you would find portraits in the world. And that is something not practiced anymore. I guess because maybe the medium has changed. Um, and of course, with the phone screen or the screen, the digital screen that has changed how we consume imagery. But that print is still important. You go into any house, it is on that wall. I feel that it is still important. It is still there. And if we do make it a point, we would actually make that portrait. So a lot of people have, have actually booked or commissioned me to make portraits of the family and so on so forth. Uh, because they feel that importance. And, and interestingly, that you brought it up, that it is actually a practice that we used to have. Uh, they were traveling photographers. Uh, I think they were linked with the government uh, back in those days where they would screen movies. There would be, uh, there would be a team that, go to, that goes to villages and they would, uh, it's like, I think it was the Japatan Penarangan, they would have a movie screening at night, but before they do that, they would have a public announcement about what the company changed to and so on and so forth. And it was at the same time, they were doing the project I see it exactly. So someone actually came up to me and said, you know, during those days, there will be a photographer just like you that would travel with this group and entourage to all the villages to make portraits for people to make I see. Uh, that, that was so interesting for me to, to, to hear that it was practiced in the 50s and 60s. Um, and even though uh, in funfairs, there will also be uh, this kind of portrait groups in funfairs. I guess your initiative is also to somehow share this knowledge also with people around you know, around the country, right? What has that led you to? I and mean, how have they been reacting to, to it? Um, well, in, in, in the start, it was about building the camera and making sure it works. Then the next part of the project was called Kanta Portraits. And Kanta Portraits was actually an uh, art research study. And I was actually using this as a study of about understanding identities. So I had, I had my own uh, identity crisis. And I used um, this camera or this method of making portraits as a way to, to understand and to study about the different concepts of identities. So Counter Portraits was actually an art research project which saw me travel to 
mainly indigenous villages uh, in Malaysia, Peninsula and Sabah Sarawak, and also with Taiwan and a little bit of Japan. So Counter Portraits was about maybe three to four years of my life where I traveled to all these villages and, and had a research and interview with different communities about their understanding. And then at the same time with that exchange, I made a portrait of them and, and gave them a print. So that was that phase of the project. So now this phase of the project, traveling around the country and so forth, I call it Kanta Studio, which is actually giving workshops and uh, giving services to the wider audience, which is the public like us. And of course, the reception has been really good. I've created a route, uh, a northern route and a southern route. So I just started actually this year because, you know, the borders uh, interstate just opened and I'm able to travel. So I've been going to uh, places like uh, Ipoh and Penang. And uh, then I went south to Malacca and uh, Batu Pahat and Johor Bahru. And I plan to go to Kota Baru as well, Kuala down south to Kuantan. So it's sort of like a round peninsula. And I want to bring this as to many places as I can, uh, to as many communities as I can. And, uh, as, and show, show them how it's done, you know. And, and I wish that I could, um, that more people could practice this and it can become an art form. I've actually started building my, my fifth generation, which is that HTPE camera. I call it Tanki, uh, camera Tanki. So um, with this camera, I hope that it's easy to reproduce. I can make a lot of this. And with this, I could put it into the hands of people who, who want to make a, uh, make a living. And they could use this to make street portraits wherever they are and earn a living. So yeah, you could start an entire new art movement, uh, which is uh, portrait jalanan, street street portraits mm. um, what were some of the reactions that you heard from people during your travel you know when they see this camera oh uh, I guess I guess they can't believe that I'm from KL <laughs> that I came all the way on a motorbike on a motorcycle because I, I travel on my motorcycle I had to make it a point that I had to travel um, using my little EX5 uh, it's my uh, it's my little scooter that I get around um, and then they, they can't believe that I'm carrying this big box, this big wooden box on my camera, all the way to JB on that little scooter. Uh, and, uh, and I'm here to make portraits. <laughs> they can't believe that. And then, of course, by seeing a portrait, how it's done and how it's made, they, they just can't believe it, uh, that, that it exists, first of all, and that they can get a portrait of themselves. So it's so, so unique, so... I would say it's so rare to have that opportunity. But I, 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 if I don't do it now, I, I don't think so I'll ever be able to do it. And of course, I can't do it alone. There are, yeah, it takes, it takes a whole village to do it. Wow, okay. Uh, how accessible is it? Like, I mean, in your, I guess, uh, intention to make it, I guess, accessible for others to, to be able to also do it, um, how accessible is it actually? In the sense that, you know, you know, can, can, can I just, I guess, download a manual, quote-unquote, and do it myself? Or do I need a bit of guidance as well? Hmm, okay. It might seem easy because when you look in the box, and it's actually, it's really basic materials in there and really basic movements and, 
mechanism. But you have to understand a lot. You need to have really good knowledge of your craft. So that's where that's where the um, caveat is, I guess. You need to know your craft. You need to know your art. So that that is where even if you download a, a manual, it doesn't teach you the same way experience will. So so it is about practice and it's about having apprenticeship and training. So that that's where I feel the challenges. Not about just downloading a manual, or buying a buying a camera, or making one yourself. You got to learn how to make one, uh, to pack, to print, and photograph. So that's that's where I feel. Um, the challenges I, I've I've given about maybe three workshops, and um, I would say it is quite difficult for someone to pick it up because first of all they have to build one, they have to build a camera, and then after that they have to practice. It would take it would take you time to practice and to to perfect the technique. So that's that's where the challenge is, I guess. But it's not as difficult. Uh, I can do it. So can you? All right. Okay. Yeah. So I guess I guess it's about finding that balance and maybe maybe yeah. To some extent, having a mentor like you, right, to be able to I guess guide guide people to to be able to do it, right? Well, there are three of us in Malaysia. Believe it or not, I guess we are uh, the most in Southeast Asia. There's Anton, Anton in Penang, and then there is uh, Nurul Huda in Shalam, and there's me in KL. So there are three of us practitioners in Malaysia itself who built their own cameras and used them as well. So that's that's that shows that it is growing and, and it's not as typical. Uh, it just takes a lot of effort, I guess. All right. Okay, so I guess you're gonna continue embarking on this on this project with Kanta Studio, but um do you have any other plans coming up in the future? Like in terms of, you know, uh, engaging with more community members, you know, I guess workshop. Um, well, with the Contra Studio, it's mainly going on the road and uh, doing workshops. So trying to reach out to different communities around Malaysia and then uh, have an exposure to them and then be able to work with them. What I like to do is actually at every place that I go, I collaborate with someone local, an artist, a local artist, a local photographer. Then they would then be the the holder of it in their town or in their community so it gets passed on but the other part is i'm starting i'm starting a, a project i got another grant from christian jit again for this year and it's about building a huge camera i call it camera camera so it's basically a tent a canopy which is about eight feet by eight feet and it prints huge prints of poster size like uh, A2 size or A1 size so you can print huge and uh, I'm going to build this camera and it's going to be mobile and I, I plan to work with local communities to, to make more features of, of something so that's an upline <laughs> wow okay sounds exciting alright so for people out there who like to I guess find out more about what you do where can they go to uh, they can just go straight to the website called kanta.studio and uh, they would see where my calendar is. So what's my next event or where I'll be traveling to and what kind of workshop we're doing. So everything's on Kanta Studio dot, well, kanta.studio. And then, uh, of course, I'm on Instagram, Kanta Studio, and uh, on Facebook page, Kanta Studio as well. So that's the new uh, movement. I'm trying to outreach to as many people as I can. Mm-hmm.
You've been tuning in to I Love KL and that was Jeffrey Lim from Kanta Studio talking about box cameras and the journey of learning and discovering the medium. That's all we have for this episode of I Love KL. If you miss any part of the show, you can check out the podcast at bfm.my slash ilovekl, our app which you can find via Google Play and the App Store and also Spotify. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Hanif Baharudin and you have been tuning in to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. Stay safe and join us again next week only on BFM 89.9, the business station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.